0: You know, first and foremost, we are transparent with our clients a thousand percent of the time. Uh, and that's a big thing for us. And also we're transparent with our, with our team. There's nothing to hide in our business and, and we want to share it all with them. And, and you know, through the culture here at Kestra, uh, you know, being, being with Kestra for almost 18 years now, part of the Kestra family, you know, I've, I've able to take best practices from other advisors. David Berman told me five years ago, You know, he shares top-line revenue with his firm. So I went back a week later and we started doing it immediately.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Kestra Out Loud, where we amplify the voices of the financial advisor. I'm Maria Bethel, and I would like to introduce my co-host today, Mr. Mark Schoenbeck. Hey! Hey, Hey, in the house. We have Scott Cohen in the house today, everyone. (sighs) Sound effects. uh, Yay! I want to thank the Academy.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's just been a a great year for all.
1: (laughs) Stadium seating outside of the doors today.
0: I'm surprised the crowd is a big one today. I wasn't expecting that much.
1: Well, they obviously love you. Yeah, we appreciate that.
0: (laughs) 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 Record setting. Well,
2: look, uh, Scott Cohen, CD Wealth in the house. um, Fantastic advisor, fantastic friend for us. Uh, Your firm obviously specializing in uh, working with individuals, nonprofits, privately held firms, um, do a lot of estate planning, asset management, retirement planning for your crew, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, he's over here nodding, good. Um, Other thing that we know about CD Wealth is the entire firm is actively engaged in the community, big believers in giving back to the community, which is fantastic. You're a Dallas boy by trade or by?
0: Third-generation native Dallasite. All right,
2: solid, solid, and uh, UT grad. Yeah, multi-generation,
0: University of Texas as well. My daughter's a freshman as we speak. Awesome. down there
2: very good well hey we're excited to have you here and and i want to talk to you about uh not only your business but then how you go about serving your clients because we know you have many business owner clients and so one of the things that we have seen working with financial advisors oftentimes is that they are great financial advisors and come up through the business and learn the trade and, and learn how to help drive great outcomes for clients but might not always themselves be As focused on running their own businesses. And we've been super impressed with how you not only wear the financial advisor and wealth manager hat, but you wear a business owner hat. So, so what, what are some of your kind of key principles to running the business versus just being a financial advisor?
0: I think running the business starts with, uh, our folks that we work with, um, you know, bottom line every day, we're there to service our clients, uh, you know, Our, the roots of our firm date back to actually 1939 with my great uncle and grandfather uh, starting an insurance firm in Dallas and uh, through the ranks years later, I joined and and thus created City Wealth Management. And back in the day, uh, my grandfather always said, the client's right. uh, And if if you can't figure that out, you don't get to work for them. So Mm -hmm. we we kind of start with that premise, but uh, also we can't do right by the clients if we don't have the right team in place. And by that, I mean, having the, the, the right people in the right spots, but also letting them know that they come first too. Yep. Uh, we, we'll do anything for our clients, but we also have the backs of our, our employees and, our, and our, our key staff that they know that we will always be there whenever they need us. That's great.
2: So as you're running your firm, then you're also working with business owners. What are some of the things that you take away from how you're running your firm that allow you to help give great advice or guidance to your business owners? And how are some of those lessons transferred to, to them?
0: Well, it's really the experience of, of 26 years in the business of watching business owners and how they run their businesses. It's been a, it's been a combination of so many different clients that have run their businesses so well. It all comes back to the people. You know, we, we have clients that have uh, 20,000 employees. We have clients that just have a couple of employees, but, the ones that we've seen that had the most success are the ones that treat their people well. You know, like you said uh, yesterday, or James said yesterday, you know, having pictures of your families in the office. I mean, I wrote that down, we're gonna go back and do that. I mean, we're always looking and observing and, and legally plagiarizing from what other businesses are doing so we can bring it back to, to our office.
2: Yep, that's fantastic. We've had a lot of advisors, obviously, have come through the office, have seen the Kestra family wall, one of the great best practices I've seen many of them take is not only do they go back and, and try to bring their employees' families to the office, they're doing it with their clients. So so many of their clients and business owners are focused on Living life and getting the most out of all of the things that they've they've accumulated over the years uh, from a wealth management perspective, and so we have a lot of advisors who ask their clients to send in pictures from vacations or graduations or retirement parties, and they create a whole wall in the office of the life events that are most important to their clients. Something I want to yeah, think about yeah, absolutely.
1: So we'd like to um, talk about metrics next, because your firm does this phenomenal job of taking your business metrics and reviewing them on a weekly basis, like you're doing this weekly. And we would like to know in your experience, um, what are the top three most important business metrics that business owners should track and why those are so important?
0: Well, I think it's not which three are the most important. I think it's define which three are important to you. Mm. Um, I'm a 15 year plus member of the strategic coach program. And they have something called the five dials. And and I've dialed it down to the, the three things that I need to see every week for me. But we've also integrated within our, our company that everyone has to have things that they need to see every week. You know, it's, everyone has their personal dashboard. So I believe in dashboards. I know y'all do as well too, because y'all right. have very... Y'all, I, I, by the way, I love the Kester dashboard. There are things that I need on a daily basis, I can just go to my dashboard at Kestra, but for, as a business, we have a weekly team meeting where we have our dashboards that we can all look at together. And then on, on a daily, we have, we have team huddles and, uh, and you're looking at your micro dashboards. And so it's just something that you can just put everything else aside and say, what's going on in this area? Like for, for example, in a firm like ours, what was our assets under management last week? What is it this week? Yep. You know, what, what new money came in? What money went out and why? Did someone need to purchase another home? Um, you know, these are the things we, we you know, we, we can dig behind every one of these things. That's when Mark's in our office and he's asking us questions. We know these answers because we're looking at it every week. I, you know, the day before our team meeting, we all get team meeting reports, which behind all the dashboards, you can dig as deep as you want. So when we're in the meetings, we're not stuck in the weeds with these long reports. Right. It's kind of like a consent agenda type of a meeting.
2: Interesting. So, you know, Having had some of these conversations with you, I think one of the things that I've also been really impressed with uh, related to the dashboard concept is the level of transparency that you have with the entire organization. And so oftentimes a business leader might wanna keep the cards hidden from the rest of the organization. Share with us a little bit your, your views on transparency, the power of that transparency, uh, with your staff and, and the impact that that has and and how they view their day
0: you know everybody has their pillars in their business you know, and honesty and confidentiality you know those those there's no bending there, but also transparency you know first and foremost, we are transparent with our clients a thousand percent of the time uh, that and that's a big thing for us, and also we're transparent with our with our team there's nothing to hide in our business and and we want to share it all with them, and, and you know through the culture here at Kestra, uh, you know being being with Kestra for almost 18 years now, part of the Kestra family, you know I've I've able to take best practices from other advisors. David Berman told me five years ago, you know he shares top line revenue with his firm, and so I went back a week later and we started doing it immediately, yep. and and all the bonus and goals that are based are top line revenue, are so you know we're, not that we're ignoring expenses. But I, I want the, the nature of the company every day to be what can we do to enhance our revenue? What can we do to enhance our client experience? And their bonuses based on that. Right. And in another in part is we had an outside consultant come in and do a survey of our sample survey of our clients and our strategic partners. Y'all, y'all were, were part of that survey. And the survey came back. You know, it was it was very high. People were either extremely satisfied, most of them, and, and a few of them were very satisfied. We didn't even get to the satisfied portion and and that our clients are feeling that from our staff on a daily basis.
2: Interesting. So if, if you were going to coach up an advisor who might not be as transparent with the the metrics and the numbers of running the business and if they were having some apprehension around that in fear around, Oh my gosh, what's my staff going to think or say when they, when they see all of this, what what, what advice would you give them to kind of get over that mental hurdle?
0: I would, I would, I mean, I'm pretty blunt. So, you know, I would tell him to get over it first. Right. <laughs> I would just say, you need to get over it. But then, but then I would say, you know, I, I would sit back a second and be a little more sensitive and say, uh, let's talk, you know, ask him what, what's holding him, what's holding him or her back. Uh, what's, what's their, what are they objecting to here? Because the staff that they have working for them, they're highly trained, they're educated, they're sophisticated. They know this probably anyways with, right. you know, within a, a range, but, By sharing, you're going to, by opening yourself up and sharing, you're going to bring a closer knit family in your company. But I mean, I I would, I'd push them to do it. Yeah. Excellent.
1: I'm a little curious now, um, when you're talking about how much that you are sharing with your staff, do you think that transparency, do you think that translates into your empowering your staff to do a better job? Do you think that that gives them the tools that they need to, to be better for their client, for your clients, to do better for your clients?
0: A short answer is yes. Um, I think that the, the collaboration always wins uh, when, you're in, when you're inclusive. We're, we're a very inclusive environment. You know, We're, we're you know, as Kester calls it, an ensemble practice, so we don't have individual, people don't have my client, your client, his client, her client, everyone's a client of the firm. And so that, that team approach, we're all going towards a common goal every year, so it kind of gets away from the barrier of, of selfishness. You know. Every once in a while you have someone behaving selfishly, you you say, what's going on? Why? And it it usually results, you know, they're having a bad day or something's going on on the side that really isn't what it seems.
1: So we want to ask um, one final question so that we can wrap up the show today. Um, And this is a little bit more of a personal question, but we would love to know what you wanted to be when you were growing up. And you can't say financial advisor.
0: (laughs) No, I didn't want to be a financial advisor when I was growing up. Uh, He's like,
1: easy to answer. Although he might have had
2: that answer given the family history. (laughs) Given the
0: family history. That's that's not what I thought I would would end up doing. Uh, I'm gonna tell you what I wanted to be when I grow up in just a second, but I ended up becoming a financial advisor because I was on my way to law school and had always worked since I was in my mid-teens because I wanted financial independence from my parents in a way. Uh, They were very providing. I grew up in an affluent home, but I wanted to do things that they always didn't approve of, so the only way to do that is to have your own money. And so- um,
2: I definitely want to know more about that. Yeah, and, and so uh, instead
0: of going to law school, I was, uh, a friend of mine, we were, uh, after college, like, why are you going to law school? You like to work, because you got this family business. And so I thought it'd be a good idea to go to the family business, and my grandfather told me, no, that uh, there wasn't a place for me in the foreseeable future in him decade. But uh, (laughs) I I went and got a job at a a, with a a local financial planning firm with with people that that, that knew me, and um, you know it took off right away. I enjoyed the work and I enjoyed what I do. So I kind of fell backwards into the business, even though it would it would look like I was groomed for it. But uh, no, growing up, um, you know, I always wanted to be a professional golfer. Um, I I played a lot of junior golf uh, around North Texas, around the state, and and nationally. Um, And uh, but when I was when I was sixteen years old. I was in a tournament. And uh, when I was playing, you know, a good score for a, a teenager is like 74, 73. It, it wasn't 62, 63. And uh, I shot a 70. That's
2: still, that's still a good score.
0: But I, I, shot a 70, <laughs> I shot a 73 and I was really proud of it, but a kid in my group shot a 65 and he was not happy with his score. Wow. And, I, and, I, he, and he missed several putts that could have made it like a 60. Wow. And so I kind of walked out of there, I said, okay. I mean, it wasn't like I was defeated, but I was like, that's not an option, probably, to be a professional golfer. So it, it kind of that was, that was when that dream kind of ended. And I thought, what am I going to do work wise? So I never really figured it out. And until, how
2: old were you when you had that experience? I think
0: I was fifteen or sixteen. Wow. Um, it was, uh, it was an eye opening experience because when I was from from seven, eight years old, I wanted to be on, the, I wanted to be on the professional golf tour. Uh, my dad was luckily enough to be invited to the Masters in 1979, and he. Uh, and back then, I think it was loose around the ropes, and he ended up hanging out with Tom Watson while he's hitting balls at the end, so he called me up. Tom Watson's this great guy. So Tom Watson became my, my golf hero. Wow. And uh, I always loved golf, but I always thought, man, that'd be nice to be able to play and have someone, you know, you know be able to play all the time. But, you know, you, you kind of run up against, you know, and by the way, the kid that shot that score, he, he didn't make it out of college playing wow. golf. So it, it just, it was an eye-opening experience. So I ended up falling back on, on work ethic.
2: So this has nothing to do with transparency or metrics or being a financial advisor, but as a parent, Mm -hmm. right? You're a parent, I'm a parent, Um, you're Maria's parent. (laughs) Like that that moment of clarity for you of like, okay, this thing I have dreamt about for so long is not gonna come true. Like looking back on it now, Right? The, the 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 candor that I love about you, you clearly had with yourself, but like, I, I just think about my daughter having a moment where she would realize, okay, maybe I'm not gonna play soccer in college, which is her big goal right now. And as a parent, I would wanna be like, no, just work harder, yeah. go do it. Right. But they, they, like, so how
0: did- I how had opportunities to play golf in college, but it, it wasn't, I never, my dream was never to play golf in college. My dream was to, I mean, when you're nine years old and your dad goes to the Masters and you watch it on TV, you fall in love with the game. And I, I was like, I want to be a professional golfer. Right. I mean, I, I had big aspirations. But when it when it became a reality that it wasn't gonna be from a lack of effort, right? Just didn't have it, right? And so, um, you know, I just, wow. it, just it was just, it, but it wasn't. Uh, it's not a moment in my life where I feel you know it was, I was let down. It was just it was kind of eye opening, and uh, you know, I transitioned from there and, and into into working. You know, I, I I went instead of golfing all the time. I would golf, but I went and got jobs, and so right. I, I really found out that I, I liked working. I fell in this business because it was it was an easy place for me to land out of college, just to work, because I was supposed to go to law school, and I I was tired of, I didn't enjoy school, and law school is like you know school on steroids. That's a lot of school. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I my my daughters are all they all compete, and, and my oldest was. You know a lot of soccer, and my my middles, you know, uh, captain or not captain, but officer on our drill team. My youngest plays sports as well, but you know, I've always encouraged. You know, what I've encouraged them to do with with sports is is never give up on your dreams. But but at home, it's you, you need to go out there and have fun and smile. If I see you having fun, I see you smiling and laughing out there. You can keep doing it as long as you want, but right. the minute it becomes a job, right. is when, mm-hmm. when I tell them I'm going to cut it out.
2: Right? Yeah, that's our mantra. Yeah. Play hard, have fun. Have fun. You do those two things, nothing else matters. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Well, Scott, we really appreciate you taking a little bit of time with us to share some of your perspectives and, and insights. This has been a great conversation.
0: Thanks for having us. And, and and on behalf of all of CD Wealth, we appreciate everything that y'all do. Um, you know, I'm here right now, but our team is really enjoying the relationship and all the work that y'all have done to, to put the, yourselves in the place that you are. And I've never seen it better. So. Yeah, we appreciate God's it.
2: Godspeed. Thank that. you. Thank you.
1: Work hard, play hard. We <laughs> <laughs>